Thanks for listening to our sermons from Southbridge Fellowship. For additional resources or service information, visit us online at sfchurch.com. Merry Christmas. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for being a part of this celebration in our Christmas Eve service. I don't know if this is your regular church or not, uh, but regardless, thank you so much for coming. And I know everybody's excited about Christmas tomorrow, but when you sat down, you may have seen these little cards in your seat. And uh, they say on them upside down. It doesn't mean you keep turning it around looking at it, but it is the name of a sermon series that we're starting. And you'll notice on there it says a new normal for a new year. And some of you may be visiting tonight uh, for the first time, or maybe you came last Christmas. And I know a lot of people look for a new church and new habits and different things in the new year. And believe it or not, January is a lot closer than we think it is. And when you uh, start thinking about a church and you come here tonight and you realize we talk about Jesus a bunch, I hope you know that we do that all the time. And the service times are on the back of that card. They're 9 a.m. and 11. And we say we're a church that connects people to Jesus for life change. And as you come into the new year, you might be thinking about some changes in your life in a new church. And we want you to be invited to come back here at 9 and 11 for that. And some of you, you come here all the time. You're going to come no matter what we're talking about from the Bible. Um, Take that card and give it to somebody who doesn't. We'd love for you to do that as well. It's actually about the greatest sermon that's ever been preached, not by me, it was by Jesus. And it's in Matthew chapter five if you wanna start reading ahead. But today we're we're pumped about Christmas, right? How many of you are excited about Christmas? I ask you to raise your hand because I know some of you kids, your parents threatened you or bribed you not to make any noises in this service. You may embarrass your parents, but I want you to know I have four kids, noises don't bother me. I've had kids come up to me while I'm preaching in these types of services before. I'm totally cool with it. And I'm just glad you're here. And I was thinking about, you know, all the things that we could talk about in a Christmas service. Of course, we're going to read the Christmas story in just a moment. But in that Christmas story, there's so much information. What, what, I was asking God, what do you want me to say to these people? I don't even know some of the people that will be there. I don't know what's going on in your life. I do know what's going on in our world. And then I look at the, the text and I think about the things that are said in that passage. And as I was preparing a couple weeks ago for this service, I looked down at my hand sitting on my desk in my office And you can't see it from here, but I've got about a three to four inch scar that's on my hand there. It's a Christmas memory. I had a plan for a nice peaceful Christmas one year that turned into total chaos and conflict in our family. Some of you are laughing at me already. We might be friends on social media. In 2017, it was a couple years ago, my brother and sister-in-law had moved into a new house. They invited us to come to their house for Christmas Day. We went to their house had given gifts. We got about 10 kids in that deal and different families brought together. It was already chaos, hair flying, Christmas wrapping, paper flying around, people laughing, people arguing, like different things happening around the family thing. And, and one of my daughters got this bike from her grandparents. And for some reason, the bike manufacturer thought the manual to the bike was really valuable because they strapped it to the seat with some piece of plastic that no human being could possibly remove. I don't know if the manuals were getting stolen a bunch at Walmart or what happened, but it was strapped on there. I couldn't get it off. So I went to my brother-in-law and I said, do you have a knife or scissors or something I can cut this off with? It was a new house for him, so he didn't have things where he normally has them. So he's digging through a drawer and he pulls out a knife and he hands it to me. He said, here's a knife. And I thought, that's pretty manly. And I walked away and then he remembered who he handed it to. And he said, I have scissors too. And I was like, nah, this is way cooler. So I take the knife. I go over to unstrap this thing from the thing and I push it down and I, for some reason I have my hand underneath the knife while I was pushing the one down and it didn't really hurt, but I saw this red gooey stuff coming out of my hand. 
So I just slapped my hand over. I didn't realize how much blood there was. There's blood all over their new floor. He's got white cabinets there. There's blood splattered. He's not that nice of a guy. Don't feel bad for him. He's got nice kids and a nice wife, though. And so I got blood all over their house. And I didn't want people to panic. So I just held it. And I walked into the kitchen. And look at my wife. My wife's a nurse. And I said, she goes, what's wrong? I was like, cut my hand. She goes, put it underneath some water. She's real calm about it. Then my mother-in-law turns the water on. And then I take my hand off. I don't know if you've seen those Halloween pranks where blood goes, but it's spraying. Like every time my heart beats, it's like, shoot, not. And now I'm in like traumatic experience here. And all the chaos of like fights and laughing and presents all stops. And our kitchen turns into an emergency room. And my wife's like, you need stitches. We're getting you to the ER. And I don't think she said stat, but I think I heard it because of the drama. Stat, like this is happening. And I'm like, what is stitches? This is bad. And then people are running around. Somebody grab ice. And my mother-in-law starts asking for ice. Remember, it's a new house for my brother and sister-in-law. So my mother-in-law goes to my sister-in-law at her refrigerator and says, can you get some ice? She goes, I don't have ice. They start fighting about ice. And the only comment I remember was my sister-in-law yelling, I'm not trying to not have ice. I'm over here bleeding out, you know, at the kitchen sink, and we got chaos, conflict. I was planning a nice, peaceful Christmas. And then I started thinking, what a picture of our world. We've got plans, and our plans don't usually include chaos and conflict, but our world's filled with it. Whether it's political chaos and conflict, it's relational chaos and conflict. Like, let's be honest, some of you, you don't want to hang out with the people you're going to be with tomorrow (laughs) because there's relational chaos and conflict. You don't want to think about it today, but in January, we're starting a class called Financial Peace University because a bunch of people are going to have financial chaos and conflict. There's all kinds of conflict and chaos, and some of you came in here today, and in your own hearts, there's conflict with you and God, with you and yourself, some of you chaos, the anxiety, and you don't think anyone here knows. Maybe you think no one cares. God knows. God cares. He sees you. And so today, as I was praying and asking God, what do you want me to emphasize from this story? What do you want us to see? And I felt like he spoke to me about his peace. We've been doing this sermon series as a church called Wonder, as you could tell from the video we just played. And you see this box up here. I've used it in multiple sermons for an object lesson. And talked about those Christmases where you had something you really wanted. Maybe you dropped hints about it for months. Red Rider BB gun or some football or Barbie set or concert tickets or whatever it was. And inside this box could represent that thing. And we talked about that feeling of the awe and wonder. And then we asked the question, why do we lose that about Jesus? And we talked about the wonder of Christ this Christmas. And so today we're going to talk about the wonder of God's peace. And if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. It's in the New Testament. The first book in the New Testament is Matthew, then Mark, then Luke. And Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be. I'm going to start reading in verse 8. But we're really jumping in at the climax of this story. And so let me just tell you what we're going to do tonight, and I'll tell you what's happening around the story, and then I'll read it to you. We're just going to read through verses 8 through 14 in Luke chapter 2. I'm going to give you three truths about God's peace and how we can experience God's peace. And then I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond if you want to receive God's peace. And what's happening in Luke chapter 2 right here is there's a young girl named Mary who's been told she's going to have a baby. The problem for Mary, she's only 14. She's not married. She's pledged to be married. Her soon-to-be husband, Joseph, is considered divorcing her, except for a divine encounter where he's told not to. And she's told that the baby she's going to have is God. Emmanuel, God with us. God in the flesh. Pretty wild stuff happening here. 
But then listen to this. There's a census, Luke chapter 2. So there's this guy, Caesar Augustus. He issues a decree that a census should be taken of the entire known world. Some of you will read that story tomorrow. Do you realize a census is not just counting people? That a census in that time meant coming and giving an account for your life? So try and imagine giving a moral account for your life as a 14-year-old girl who's not married, and this time she's pregnant, and she's going to stand and give an account to the most powerful person. One day we're all going to give an account to our creator. Can you imagine what she felt like? Not a lot of peace, I would imagine. But probably not because of that, since God's the one who did all this. But in order to get to where the census was taken, she had to be, she had to travel three days, 100 miles on a donkey. And she's traveling with her soon-to-be husband. Now, I don't, the Bible doesn't say they got in a fight. But I'm married. I know how road trips go. A nine-month pregnant woman on a donkey for 100 miles. You fill in the blanks. Not exactly a peace-filled situation. I love you, honey. Let's not talk about this afterwards. And then talk about the oversight of the galaxy. Joseph didn't call ahead. There's no room at the inn. And then verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Not the angels, shepherds. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them what angels often say when they encounter people. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be, and this is key, for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel, a multitude, that's a word the Bible uses for more than the human mind can fathom, of heavenly hosts, that's an army, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and here's the word, and on earth, so glory to God in heaven, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. That's an incredible promise. Peace, glory in heaven, peace on earth, but did you see it's a conditional promise? It's only peace with whom he is pleased. Which means you've got to ask yourself the question, with whom is he pleased? Because what, let me paraphrase this. Jesus is coming so you can have peace, but not everybody's going to experience peace. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because the very mention by me of peace seems more like a concept to you than a reality that you could possibly experience. Because a lot of people can talk about peace but it's only those with whom he's pleased that experience the peace of God. So how does that happen? That's why I'm sharing these three truths with you tonight. The first one is this, that God's peace comes through God's plan. God's peace comes through God's plan. Now, oftentimes, when people talk about, and maybe you've shared before, or maybe you've heard a pastor talk about how Jesus arrived and came to this earth, we emphasize how it's so different than our plan. And that's great because our plans and God's plans aren't the same. That's oftentimes how it works. And his ways and our ways aren't the same. His ways are way higher than our ways. If we would have planned it, we'd have planned a palace. And we'd have planned a princess. And maybe Herod's palace. And his daughter would have had this baby. But instead it's this humble circumstance. And you hear people talk about he's laying in the straw manger and there's animals around. And it's just so humble. And that's true. But in emphasizing the humility of his birth, sometimes we miss the majesty of his birth. 
Think about this announcement here now. Creative and overwhelming, the glory of the Lord shining around them. Like, just think about this. How many of you have seen people give a gender announcements or tell them they're having babies and they do some creative thing? How many of you have seen that? Some of you have seen that? I got a couple pictures of a few that I pulled off the internet this week. Somebody announcing they're having a baby? <laughs> Coming this summer. It's like a movie trailer when I saw it. Some people are creative in how they'll put their pictures together. Ice, ice, baby, kind of old, little social reference. Some people use celebrities. That's Will Smith bringing it in. Like, look, look at the announcement. Some people tell the kid. (laughs) We need this crib. You're out of (laughs) here. There are a lot of them you can find. Fireworks are used. People do, you know, stuff with blue powder flying around, pink powder flying around, all kinds of different things happen. Some of you tomorrow might put a stocking up that's announcing you're having your first baby. Like different things people will do. It doesn't matter which birth announcement you've seen, none of them have anything on this. Think about who's involved. You're going to bring a celebrity? Why don't you try getting an angel? And be creative? Oh, peel the heavens open. Like try and think about all that's happened here. None of this goes, our, we would have never thought of any of this. God's plans and our plans aren't the same because here's what we would plan for peace with God. We'd plan our way to get to him. But his plan is he came to us. For unto us a son is born. Unto us a child is given. Did you see what was said in that passage? And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And he's speaking to shepherds? Shepherds? If you're familiar with the Bible, you might think, well, shepherds are a good thing. Like, Jesus was the good shepherd. If you look at Old Testament characters, the most famous ones were shepherds. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. And what we miss is that people who who were living in this time, they don't like shepherds. Shepherds are what they called unclean. Unclean means you're not allowed to go to the temple and worship. It's interesting when you read who Jesus uses in the Bible. He uses people like shepherds and wizards from the east, and prostitutes, and tax collectors, because our natural thought process is, this is all for the religious elite, the scholars, the people who are super pious, the people who vote a certain way and think a certain way, but the text says this is for all people. Let me tell you why I share that with you, because some of you may have come here tonight, and you were uncomfortable just because you were coming to a religious service. Maybe you haven't been to church in a long time. Maybe you've never been to church before. Some of you are only here because somebody invited you. They promised you they'd buy you dinner. You're going to get a present afterwards, whatever the thing is. And and maybe you had an encounter with somebody who claimed to be a follower of Jesus, and they were a hypocrite, and you've got your reasons. And This news is for you. In fact, it's for all of us. It's for all people. That's how God does it, different than how we would do it. Because his plan is not that we come to him, it's that he comes to us. That's the Christmas story. I saw a pastor on social media a couple weeks ago talking about a trip he had taken to another country. And he said they were sitting outside this temple and there were several people from different religions. Two guys were talking, different religions, and they were talking about how all religions are basically the same. There's a lot of people that believe that. It's not true. There's a lot of people that believe that, that the main differences between you know, Judaism and Hinduism and Islam and Christianity are just superficial differences. And that's what they were saying. And so this pastor said to them, try and help them see that that's not how it is, He said, so what you're saying is, it's like God's at the top of a mountain and all the people are down around the bottom and they're trying to figure out ways to get up to him 
And we might have different ways to get to them. We might call them something different, but it's all essentially the same. And they said, yeah, that's essentially what we're saying. That's called pluralism. And he said, what if I told you that the God at the top of the mountain didn't wait for us to get to him, but he came down to us, and he provided a way for us to relate with him, but there's only one way. Then they'd want to know the way. Jesus tells us the way. It's him. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except for through me. If you think there's multiple ways, then what does it say about God that he allowed his son to die just to provide another way? No, that is the way. Because here's why. The plan is Jesus. God's peace comes through God's plan, and God's peace comes through God's person, Jesus Christ. That's the second truth. The peace ultimately comes through the person of Jesus Christ. Go back to the verse I read in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. And then we find out who he is. It's the only verse in the New Testament that has all three of these titles in one verse. It says, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So who is Jesus? He's a Savior, Christ, Lord. The question you have to ask is, is he my Savior? Is he my Christ? Is he my Lord? And then you see this announcement. It's not just one angel. Will Smith couldn't stand up to one angel. But look what happens next. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude, uncountable number of heavenly hosts, of an army of angels, and they're going to be singing. How many of you have been listening to Christmas songs? Maybe since October. I don't know when. November. December. Michael Buble, you hear him sing some songs? His voice is like butter. It's smooth. Pentatonics. Have you heard Pentatonics sing? Every time they come on, someone says, that's just voices. There's no instruments. I challenge you next time, act like you're a fool. Oh, that's how that works. I've never heard of acapella before. <laughs> just let them keep saying it over and over. And you can laugh to yourself. It's fun. Some people love her or hate her. Mariah Carey, all I want for Christmas. No one wants to admit they listen to that CD. <laughs> hey, listen, I don't know what you've been listening to, but I promise you, it doesn't hold a candle to what happens in this passage. A multitude, uncountable number, 10,000s upon 10,000s of angels coming and they're singing. What are they singing? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. Why such a grand announcement? It's not just because of a baby. The real controversy of Christmas is not that there was a 14-year-old pregnant girl who's claiming to be a virgin. The controversy of Christmas is that that child was the God who always was, always is, always will be. He was not created. He's always been God. But you want to wonder about something this Christmas? Wonder how this is possible. The creator became part of his creation and he became man. Still fully God, fully man, and dwells among us Understanding what it's like to be tempted in every way as you're tempted. Every temptation you face this week, he knows what that's like, but never sinned. And then willingly came and laid his life down on the cross for your sins and my sins. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the end, the pre-existent Christ, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, Lord of creation, being a child. That's why the announcement. Because of who, who, who he is. So if I ask you who he is, there's a lot of names you could give. But for the sake of this message, he is our peace. 
Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14 says, for he himself, talking about Jesus, is our peace. How can a person be my peace? How can another person be my peace? Well, it's kind of like this. I don't know how many of you watch college football. I was watching college game day. And uh, college game day, they got to come up with hours of content just to keep you watching until they kick out the football games. And so they'll do these feature stories every once in a while. And some of you may have seen this one, but there was a, a feature story about a guy named Keenan Lowe. And you can look it up later and watch the, the little 10, 12-minute segments they've got on them if you want. But Keenan Lowe was a wide receiver for the University of Oregon. Played for Chip Kelly. And when he was done playing, he ended up being a grad assistant, wanted to be a coach. Ended up being an assistant coach for Chip Kelly on the San Francisco 49ers when he was coaching there. And was doing all the right stuff to basically become an NFL head coach at some point. But then tragedy came. Somebody he loved died. And God has this unique way of taking some of the most difficult, painful moments in our lives and using them as a catalyst for change in our lives. And what God did with Keenan was he brought him back to his hometown and instead of becoming an NFL coach, he decided to coach in high school and he took over this program that was awful. Like bad news bears on steroids. They lost 23 straight football games. It was not abnormal for them to lose a game 63 to zero. The principal, when he was doing his little piece on the Sports Center thing, said other teams would take a knee and then hand the ball to us during the game. That's mercy, in case you're wondering for a Bible definition there. They were, he starts turning them around, and you're like, oh, it's a feel-good story. And he's investing in these kids that are, don't have father figures, got this tough story. And you're like, okay, I kind of know how this goes. But then they shared that he also was an unarmed volunteer security guard at the school. And they had trained him for shootings and stuff. And one day, they called him at the counselor's office and asked him to go get a student. And he went to the classroom to get that student. The student wasn't in the classroom. And so he goes into the classroom. teacher tells him he's not there. As soon as he turns around, the student starts coming in the classroom. But he's got a big trench coat on and a big gun coming out of it. And desks start flipping over. People are screaming. If you watch it, they, they play some of the 911 calls. There's been a shooting at Parkside High School. There's been a shooting. You can get here. And all the stuff you can imagine. SWAT team shows up. They're coming in. They're locking down the school. They've got security cameras in the hallways, though, that show what happened. The news reported that what happened was that Keenan tackled this student, stopped him from killing some of his classmates, but that's not what happened. When Keenan was interviewed, he said, I felt compelled to walk towards him. And when I went towards him, he said, I don't want to hurt anybody, but nobody cares about me. And he said, I care about you. And he said, I felt like he needed to be hugged more than he needed to be tackled. And you can see the picture of him hugging this young man and the gun being taken away. That day, at that school, Keenan Lowe was peace for that school, for that student, because there was about to be a terrible conflict. Jesus Christ is our peace. I told you Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 it says it also, it's actually all throughout the Bible. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, it says that we've been justified. That's made right with God, made righteous with God. That's who he's pleased with by faith because Jesus is our peace. How can Jesus be our peace and who's our conflict with? See, our conflict, believe it or not, is actually with God. You think, well, God loves everybody. But here's the deal. He's righteous and just. He doesn't contradict his character. And you and I sin. Do you know what sin is? Sin is when we do what we think is best rather than what God says is best. Anybody here never done that? Don't raise your hand, you'll be a liar. The Bible says, for all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Well, that's interesting because this passage says 
that the glory of God is on highest and the news is for all, also it applies to all, all of us that are sinners, but the Bible also says the wages of sin is death, a separation from God for all of eternity. But there's a gift, wonder about grace, there's a gift and it's eternal life and it comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord, if he's Savior, if he's your Christ. So how do we experience that? Because the reality is we have a conflict with God. That's not good news. That means you have an all-powerful enemy who's coming against you, and there's a judgment day coming, and his wrath is going to be awful. But Jesus Christ took that at the cross for you. That's why he went to the cross. See, the lowest point for Jesus was not laying as a baby in a manger. It was the cross. The highest point for Jesus was not angels singing on high about his arrival. It was his ascension to be with the Father because not only did he die on the cross, he defeated death. And ultimately what Christmas does, it points us to Easter. That Jesus defeated death and defeated sin and you can have peace with God because of that. But how? How does that happen? We still haven't said that. The way it happens is by believing his promises. There's one primary one you start with. See, go back in that passage. Remember verse 14, it said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. With whom is he pleased? Well, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that's trust. That's believing in his promises and living based on that belief. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the promise. The promise that I challenge you with tonight comes from Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. It'll be on the screen. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a promise, but it's another conditional promise. Not everybody experiences it. It's those who believe in their heart that Jesus died on the cross for the sins, rose from the dead, and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is in charge of their life, Lord, Master. See, there's a lot of different thoughts about God, and I can't hit all of them tonight, but some of you might think that God's a cosmic killjoy. You're having fun. Cut that out. You know, stomp that out. I'm going to write a rule about that. Remember the passage says, this would be good news of great joy for all people. He's a God of joy. Some people think God's like Santa Claus in the sky got a naughty list and a nice list and hopefully you do enough stuff to be on the nice list and not enough stuff and my good works outweigh my bad works. Most world religions teach that. The Bible does not. The Bible teaches the way you're made right with God, the way he's pleased with you is through faith by believing in his promises. And I told you I'd share these truths with you and they give you an opportunity to respond. Right now is the opportunity to respond. And what I want to ask you to do is everyone in this room, just bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to give you an opportunity, two groups of people to respond. The first group of people are people who have never asked Jesus Christ to be their Savior. When I said he's, he is Christ and Lord and Savior, he's not your Lord and Savior. You've not called upon him as that. But you want to experience the peace of God, then that's what you must do. That's how you receive this peace. That's how you receive his forgiveness. And if you want that right now, I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment. I'm going to ask you to pray it with me. And I'm, going to, I'm not going to trick you into praying with me. Let me tell you what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray and confess sin before God. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm going to just pray a prayer that where you can confess your sin to God. And if you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, then you can pray the words I'm going to pray about that. And if you want him to be 
your Lord and Savior? Are you ready to turn your life over to him this Christmas? Then you just pray this prayer with me and receive his peace and forgiveness and be right with God. Pray these words with me, not because the words are magical. I'm just guiding you through this process of what the Lord might be doing in your heart. Dear God, I, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And you may even in your own words as you're speaking to him quietly acknowledge specific sin that you've been sinning against him with. I am a sinner. You know it. I know it. This isn't new information for either party. God knows everything we've done, everything we've thought. But I believe that your son Jesus died for my sins. And I believe he rose from the dead. And tonight, I want to hand my life over to your son Jesus. And I want to ask Jesus to become my savior. And just invite Jesus into your life. And it doesn't guarantee everything goes smooth from the beginning, but that you're handing over control to him. And say that in whatever words you want to say that. And he promises in the Bible that you will be saved. That means he saves you from your sin. He saves you from yourself. He saves you from eternal condemnation. And he makes you his child. John 1.12 says that he gives you the right to be called a child of God. Ephesians chapter 1 says you've got a new identity in him. He's adopted you into his family. And if you've just prayed that prayer, would you just, with everybody here with your heads bowed and eyes closed still, except for me and some folks on the worship team, would you pop your hand up? I want to pray for you some more. If you began that, that's a, that's a huge beginning a journey with God. I see a hand here in the back and so I see somebody in the back, way back over on the, my right, you're on the left side of the room, different folks. It's a big room, so if you got your hand up, pop your hand up. Father, I pray for people raising candles and raising hands and making decisions to trust you as Savior. God, I pray that you would solidify that decision for them by putting your truth in their heart, the truth that what you've done, nobody can undo. Satan's going to want to destroy them. Satan's going to want to make them think it wasn't real or wasn't genuine. And Father, will you Will you guard their hearts with your promises? Will you bring some people into their lives? Will you give them a boldness to share that with someone? And listen, not me talking to the Lord, just talking to you right now. You may write that on a response card that's in the seat in front of you before you leave and just drop it in the black offering boxes and, and I'll shoot you an email this week just to help you how you can grow in your relationship with Jesus. Let me pray also for some of you who are followers of Jesus. But you know that the Bible says in Colossians that we're supposed to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts? It's possible to be a believer in Jesus and then not be trusting him, not be allowing the peace of Christ to rule in our lives because we're not living according to his promises. And that might be you tonight. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for those here that know your son Jesus. But they know they've been living disobedient. They know they haven't been obeying your commands. They know they haven't been believing your promises. They know they've been trying to do life their own way. And that's sin. And God, I pray you'd bring them, bring them back to you right now in this moment. Speak to their hearts. Be very personal about it. Say things to them only you could possibly know. Show them your grace and your love and overwhelm them and draw them and woo them. Thank you for bringing your son Jesus to this earth. Thank you, Jesus, for living for us, dying for us, and giving us an incredible gift in yourself. Thank you for desiring to use us. In Jesus' name I pray.